0: Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassenaar, and welcome to Steam Cleaners, the podcast in which I and my lovely co-host play two games, different games, every week. And we talk about them every two weeks here uh, on this podcast feed. And of course, when I talk about my co-host, I am referring to the one, the only Walter C. 80s Fetchuck. Walter, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. And, uh, you know, that was
1: a very nice introduction. I do like to like to pretend sometimes that I am the one and only Walter C. 80s fed chick on the planet. Uh, <laughs> if you have found a second one of me, no, you haven't.
0: <laughs> That's your uh, evil clone, of course. Um, you know, everyone has an evil doppelganger out there. Uh, and so if you ever see one with a, a version of you with a twirly mustache they should probably run in the opposite direction, right? That's how that works?
1: I mean, are you sure that I'm not the evil clone?
0: Ooh, you make a very good point. You are a TSM fan, famously, so that would put uh, uh, you... Oh, oh, let's... <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Let's... Hey, let's, let's
1: uh, fucking pump the brakes on that one. I think it's been pretty clear <laughs> over the last couple of years that uh, I do not believe in that organization. I think that Reginald is an atrocious human being, and uh go FlyQuest. I'm still I'm there still I'm still an LCS widow as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. And congrats to Cloud9, by the way, for signing FlyQuest's former CEO. Um, best signing of the offseason by far. Um, good good for them. Good luck, FlyQuest? It's gonna be big shoes to fill on that point, but hey, y'all care about the environment which gives you a better brand. That's true. You are available and famously Uh, very good at this whole, uh, team building brand building thing. If given the opportunity, I would actually love to see what your LCS team would look like just because I feel like you would go into the pro wrestling angle of it all. Like all the players would have their own theme songs to come out to. You would have at least one actively trying to be a heel against the rest of the league. I feel like it would be a good time.
1: It would be really difficult for me to figure out who to start on a weekly basis, Gilius or Mm. (laughs) Dardock. Two players that historically I have professed love for. Um, And then, I mean, it really wouldn't be that much of a discussion. Forgiven would obviously have to come out of retirement. But there is something about the John Cena nature that is double-lift that is almost too enticing... Uh, but let's let's get away from the wrestling metaphors because there's been some bad stuff going on there this week, and I, I don't know if I really want to touch the WWE with a 10-foot pole.
0: That is fair. So instead, we're going to talk about some video games that we have played. Uh, Walter, what have you been playing? So listen, I've been playing
1: WWE 2K22 this week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just swerve on
1: in. Just... <laughs> Uh, No, actually, uh, Chase, so I want to pitch you on this game here. It's a really simple pitch because I think we both have been very open, not only on the podcast, but but in our lives, on social media, in person. Um, You like dogs,
0: right? I love dogs. And dogs have so much love to give.
1: So here's the thing. So... I had been sort of tangentially paying attention to pre-E3, not really E3 coverage, because E3 doesn't exist anymore, and I've seen all the, the uh, hubbubaloo about Stray, the cyberpunk cat game, and i had seen all of it being like, oh, it's, it's going to be on PlayStation, and knowing how Sony is with their, you know, sort of exclusive titles, I was like, oh, that's really too bad. I feel like I would really love that game, and it's a bummer I won't be able to play it, because I'm not going to go out and try and fight the hordes for a PS5, so I hope everybody enjoys that. Uh, To which then my girlfriend, like, two weeks later, was like, hey, you're going to play Stray, right? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you can get it on Steam, and I saw you could get it on Steam, and was like, oh, cool, I guess I'm going to play Stray in August. Um, But prior to that moment... Steam sometimes will, like, tweet you advertising and being like, hey, here's the weekly deal. Here's this game that's on sale that you might enjoy based on, like, all these other things that you play. And it offered me this game, To the Rescue. And I'm just going to give you the, the, the quick little blurb Steam gives you. To the Rescue! Exclamation point Is a charming dog shelter simulator. Take care of unique dogs. Find the right homes for as many of them as you can. Upgrade your shelter, control disease outbreaks, learn each dog's preferences, and make tough decisions, all while helping support real-world animal shelters. And that real-world animal shelters um, point is is a bit key because part of the sort of advertising and the business plan for this game is that I believe it's 20% of the sales go to um, a a foundation that I, I, I don't have the name of right in front of me right now. Um, So, Steam, your advertising worked, and I bought this game, and I put about six hours into it on Tuesday, which is like two days ago, and I really loved it. It was really fun. It's a simulation game, so it's pretty easy to kind of pick up and understand the mechanics of it, and, and you pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down, you know, so on and so forth. And I've just found with this series so far, I've been drawn to a lot of simulation games with animals. If, if we remember Timberborners and now this, it's, it's kind of strange that I'm being drawn into all these
0: cute animal games when the world outside is so bleak and depressing. Well, that's because they're untainted by our bullshit, Walter. They only know love. It's the perfect... I think escaping to dog things is probably the best decision that anyone could make in times like these. So please tell me more about these wonderful dogs.
1: Okay, so I will say right off the bat that the the difficulty curve on this game is it's like going off of a cliff. Um, the beginning of the game is is, is rather difficult, um, but that's because running a dog shelter is not an easy thing. It, it's it's something that is very difficult and the developers and um, designers of the game really wanted to try and make that experience as true as possible. Um, but yeah, you don't really care about like the mechanics or anything like that. You care about the dogs, and... There are a large variety of dogs and models for the dogs in this game. You got your corgis, you got your shepherds, you got your retrievers, you got your pit bulls, you got your your boxers, you got your small little uh, like terrier type dogs, you got your chihuahuas, you have huskies, you have a wide variety of dog options in the game, and they all have very different temperaments. And... Part of what's going on is that you're getting all of these dogs that come in. At the right at the beginning, you find one dog outside your house in this new town that you visit. So you build a little kennel to take care of them, and then you start helping out at a privately run dog shelter in the town. And then you you know prove your worth and and learn you know the tutorial basically, and prove to yourself you know prove to the community that you're really good at this. So the mayor says, "Hey, how would you like to operate the open?" dog center the public dog shelter that like people can just drop off dogs whenever and you aren't hamstrung by like we only allow x amount of dogs and at the beginning it is very very stressful because you have so many dogs and you're trying to set things up the right way and make sure that they're all taken care of um obviously you have to feed and water the dogs you have to give them food and water but it can't make it easy for you The dogs like one of four different types of foods. So you have to make sure you give them the type of food that they prefer, or they are more prone to make a mess. And then if they make a mess, you have to then go in and clean up their poop with the pooper scooper. Yes, you do have to clean up dog poop in a dog simulation game. And then if there's too much... Uh, too much poop in their, sh- in their uh, kennel, then they get dirty. So then you have to bathe the dog. Yes, you do have to bathe the dog. And then as, you know, mechanics start to stack on top of each other, all of a sudden you have so many dogs and you're like, I, have, well, I don't have any more room. I don't have any more money to build kennels. What do I do? Well, then people come in to adopt the dogs. And some of them will be very simple. They'll come in and they say, I want to adopt a dog. So you bring your dogs out to your little show area and they have five separate kennels out front uh, that you can bring the dogs into. And then the uh, dogs all have like a star on them for their adoptability. And then if you have enough stars, the person that walked in will be willing to adopt one and then will choose from one of the five. But some people are more particular. They want a certain kind of dog. Maybe they want a uh, retriever. Maybe they want a small dog. Excuse me, maybe they want a small dog. Maybe they want a dog that's good with children, or good with cats, or a lazy dog, or a smart dog, or any number of things. And the more of those traits that you match up with what they want, the more likely they are to adopt the dog. Um, on top of that, you do at some point have to then deal with uh, injuries. So you're, you're, the dog might come in hurt, and you have to put them into the infirmary, and you have to heal. You know, use a... a um, Uh, first aid kit on them or your dogs might get sick so you have to give them a shot and or that then vaccinates them uh, going forward and if you are a really intelligent shelter owner you might then decide that you want to spend the money and just vaccinate the dogs outright so then you don't have to deal with that there are a variety of kennel sizes so you can uh, put multiple dogs into the same kennel so you don't have to uh, run to individual kennels to feed them if they all like the same type of food and they have the same type of temperament. You'll get events where instead of dropping off one or two dogs at a time, all of a sudden you'll have a box of puppies was dropped off. And the very first time I experienced that, I had four husky puppies that were dropped off. And I love huskies. And my heart immediately was like, oh, I need, I need to take care of them right now. Mm-hmm. I need to... Okay, which ones of them like the same food so I can put them in the same kennel together? And that... I think is where this game really gets you. So are you on board so far?
0: Oh, I'm very on board. It sounds like there are a lot of good puppers that you have to take care of through a variety of different means and uh, help make sure they all find a good home, which is the whole, the whole point. Uh, though I, I I will say I'm, I'm scrolling down the list of features And I'm a a little bit worried about where you're going from here, Walter. I'll be honest with you. I think this very pleasant, happy journey that we're on right now is maybe going to get a little bit less happy and pleasant. So here's the thing:
1: Uh, there is right when you boot up the game, there is a content warning because obviously they are talking about a shelter, and dogs are—you know—dogs get hurt, dogs get sick, sometimes dogs get put down. And they do bring up the topic of euthanasia. And again, they are trying to be very true, despite the very colorful cartoony graphics, they are trying to be true to what a shelter has to deal with. They are also very understanding that that is maybe something that people uh, don't want to deal with, Um, whether because they have experience putting down an animal or because they disagree with it or any, any number of reasons. They do have an option where instead of euthanizing, you send the dog to a farm. You send the dog away to, you know, go live out the rest of its life, whatever, you know, makes you feel better about it. I will be very honest, I never once had to deal with that. The only time I had to deal with any sending a dog away was in the tutorial section when you're in the private dog shelter. And one of the things they say is, we only have so much funding, so we literally can only have so many dogs. And what you do is the dog gets placed into a kennel. You call the local open enrollment shelter, basically, and they come get the dog. And then as part of the tutorial, when you send that first dog away, that's when they discuss, you know, sometimes shelters just get so full and we have to make tough decisions. Sometimes you have to send them elsewhere. Sometimes you have to put them, you know, the really the sick old dogs down. Um... Luckily enough, despite the difficulties of the game at the beginning, you have so many tasks, you only have so many hours in the day to try and get everything done, um, I was able to keep pace with everything that was going on. It was actually really frustrating, and after a few hours, I did set the game down because I was getting so stressed out and so upset that I couldn't take care of all of these digital animals on my computer that aren't real, that don't actually exist. That are not living, breathing animals. They are pixels on my computer, and I had to shut the game off because I was getting too stressed out that I couldn't take care of them. And then I picked up the game later in the evening because I I at that point I only put about three hours into it. I'm like, no, 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 I need to put more time into it, because I really want I don't want to say it's really, really hard and leave it at that. So there does get to a point where you've you've worked your way through, you've proven yourself to the mayor, you kind of get through all these little things, they give you little tasks. You open up access to a foster network. So now all of a sudden you do have homes that are willing to take animals and foster them, which means they're still available for adoption, but you no longer have to take care of them directly. You don't have to feed them, take care of them. It opens up a spot in the shelter so you can take another dog, so on and so forth. After that opens up, after a couple other things, then you can hire people to help you out. And I was pretty lucky that at this point I really kind of stayed right at the max. I was really operating right on the fringes of, basically the shelter was almost always full with dogs, but I was able to adopt enough of them out that I would always have a couple of spots to take in new dogs. And I had saved up enough money that I hired a couple of helpers. And once you had the helpers, to take care of some of the tasks, taking care of the feeding and watering so you no longer had to worry about that other than just making sure you had enough food. All of a sudden the game got super, super easy and I could focus on doing the play mini games with the dogs. Scratching their bellies, playing tug of war, playing fetch with them. I could focus on really paying attention to what traits the adoptees were looking for in their dogs And again, I want to emphasize, this is a video game, and these dogs are pixels being processed by my graphics card and put on my screen. These are not living things. But I had a boxer that was in my shelter for 11 days named Dauber that every time I put him out there, when I thought, oh, this is the right person, this is the one that's going to adopt him, they adopted someone else. They adopted a different dog, and you have your own like your own personal dog that sits in the shelter. I picked a corgi and I named it Loki, and he has his own little bed that's in the shelter. And you, he, he's like your tip. When you go talk to him, he gives you tips like, "Hey, if you're running out of space, build more kennels." Hey, certain dogs like like certain types of foods, and sometimes they're willing to share a kennel with another dog that likes that type of food. They're your they're your Clippy. They're your help buddy. And I was like, man, I wish I had another bed out here next to Loki because I want Dauber. Because he's not getting adopted. I want him, I want to adopt him. I want him to also be my dog. And then when he finally got adopted, I was so happy I almost cried. At pixels on my computer screen, not a real animal, not a living, breathing dog, but pixels on my computer screen that had been in my care for like an hour. I nearly cried because he finally got adopted and he finally got his forever home and the concept and what the developers were trying to do of trying to be as authentic in emulating this as possible they fucking nailed it because I, I was so happy to see that little that pixelated dog go home with a pixelated human in a video game on my computer
0: I I just that warms my heart on so many different levels, and I I understand your point about like well it's pixels on a computer screen, but I'm I'm just looking at these screenshots. They're good puppers, and I I think there's something intrinsically wonderful. You know we we have an entire meme account on Twitter, right? The yes. can you pet the dog, and I think it is such a testament to how much people love pets and dogs in specific, that that account is huge. And so many people genuinely get excited about a game because they get to pet the dog. And so many people genuinely are disappointed when they find out that they can't to the point that developers have gone back in and allowed you to pet the dog in later updates. Um, And it's something that's not necessarily easy to do. Like the Hades devs talked about how difficult it was to get the pet animation just right, and it's why it's always the same head that you pet. Um, but there's something that this kind of cute art style really captures the essence of why people love dogs, and of course, you want to protect them, of course, you want to see them find a new home, and all of that sounds really, really delightful to the point where I am now very bummed to find out that the switch release has been delayed uh, indefinitely cuz I want to go buy this game today um and I know it's on PC and I know I have a PC but I I just if I'm playing on PC I'm playing the the same card game that I always play um but this sounds wonderful Walter is it ultimately uh, does it get your uh, full recommendation to our, our Oh, it's a hundred out of ten.
1: It's. I I wanted to pick something quick and easy because it's it's only been a week since we recorded the Super Giants podcast. I I knew I wasn't going to have a lot of time, so I wanted something quick and easy that I that I could just pick up and kind of play through in one or two sessions and have a really good idea about it. And it is incredible to me that it just happened to be an innocuous Steam email I think actually it was a tweet that just came across my feed that was like hey this game is you know 20% off I think I paid $15 for it and it's normally $20 um, like hey you might like this thing and absolutely game. like you nailed it I fucking love this game um, it might now take place of my like I just want to kill like an hour or something while I'm waiting for something to encode or I'm you know, I need to, I have an appointment, but I have 20 minutes to kill. Like, I'll, on my computer, I, this is gonna be a game that's installed in my Steam library. And anytime I have a bad day, I'm just gonna open it. I'm gonna pick a new, a new dog that hasn't been adopted in a few days. And I'm just gonna play with them. I'm gonna give him a bath. And every time someone comes in to adopt a dog, whether the traits match or not, I'm gonna throw them out there and say, hey, like, do you, do you want to adopt this puppy cuz he's a really fucking good boy and like I would adopt him but one my landlord doesn't let allow dogs and two it's it's pixels on my computer screen and I I I can't this isn't uh this isn't Scooby Doo and uh and the computer virus one where they like go into the video games and everything like I can't go in and bring them out I I just have to live with them on my screen and there are way worse things you could have on your screen right now than a bunch of really cute dogs in a shelter that you take care of.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think there's a lot to to love about that. Um, and uh, a lesson to be learned about how much those helpers really do help those shelters. Game sure seemed to get a lot easier when people were willing to help out those dogs. So, I don't know. Something to be said about that one. Also, you've now made me envision... A Jetson-style machine, but instead of, like, getting the food uh, that's envisioned on the TV screen, it's the dog that happens to pop up. And, God, do I want that to be the world that we inhabit. That sounds delightful. Yeah, that would be a perfect
1: world. And, and like, listen, like, I, I get it's dogs, but, like, any pet. Like, it would be—they could easily turn this into, like a, like, a cat cafe game. And I know there's been some that have come out recently. um, Like I mentioned— i'm gonna play stray um not right when it comes out just because july uh, is a busy month for me i'm going on vacation again in july i'm gonna play it in august and i'm gonna have to play it on twitch so i can have VOD for my girlfriend to watch when when she gets home from work so i will play that game i will give the cat lovers their due uh if you like birds or fish or small mammals, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to look into that and see if there's any. If there's like an aquarium simulator game, but you know what? I could blather on about pets and how wonderful and how good boys and girls and 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 its and them's they are. But Chase, that would take forever, and we wouldn't be able to talk to you about what I am sure is a heart pounding. Beautiful game that definitely doesn't have a sinister corporate overlord.
0: <laughs> yeah, I played Mario Strikers Ooh. Battle League this week. Uh, it's not—it's not the only game I played. Uh, and honestly, we're going to get to that second game uh, sooner than we usually get to the second game when we do a two-for-one because there's not very much to talk about with Mario Strikers Battle League. Uh, For those of you who aren't aware, this is the Mario Soccer franchise, uh, part of the Mario Sports series of games. Uh, They've done baseball games in the past as well. Uh, Tennis, obviously, a big one, and golf as well. Uh, Three of those are on the Switch. Still waiting for my Mario baseball game to come to the Switch. Just saying, y'all. But I had a lot of very positive uh, feelings when it came to uh, the original uh Mario Strikers game. Though I played way more of Mario Strikers Charged for the Wii than I did the one that was on the GameCube. And it's a really fun concept, right? Take all these Mario characters, add the kind of items that you're used to seeing in all of these different titles, uh allow them to, you know, split up into to certain stats uh in an arcadey, quick fun uh format and just have at it. You know, it, it does all the things that you need the arcade thing to do. It has, you know, like I said, those items. It has um, the ability to dodge and tackle. And if you tackle somebody who doesn't have the ball, then they get an item that only their team can pick up. But the, the problems with Battle League come in immediately when you start comparing it to Mario Strikers Charged. Because, for instance, Mario Strikers Charged had 12 characters you could pick as your captain, and had a plethora of sidekicks. I can I think nine different sidekicks that you could pick from to fill out your team. There are 10 characters total in Mario Strikers Battle Arena, and no sidekicks. You are only playing with main characters there. There's nothing to unlock when it comes to characters. Everyone... That you have is the crew that you have from the start. And because there are only 10 characters, all of these teams start feeling very samey after a while. Uh, The kind of uh, super shots that sidekicks used to do, there's no room for that anymore. There's only room for the super shots of your captains, which are triggered by a very specific item that you have to go grab. uh, And is now limited to, uh, if it works out perfectly, uh, two goals... Uh, Though you can guarantee it if you get the perfect kind of timing on your shot versus the barrage of anywhere between three and six goals, depending on how well you set things up in Charged. It just, it's just empty compared to that GameCube game, that Wii game, I should say. Like in the Wii game, there was a whole set of challenge modes and every character had a a challenge, a game in which they were behind for some reason and you had a certain amount of time and certain set characters and situations and you would have to come from behind and pull off the win. Um, You would have these, you know, almost stories to them and how these leagues would be built over time and you would play everybody in the league and then there would be the playoffs and if you beat the league, you unlocked a character and there was a real sense of progression And this game doesn't have that. It has tournaments, I suppose, but they are four-team tournaments. It's double elimination, which means you play a whole three matches in order to win the cup. And if you win the cup, you get a whole 400 gold coins, which you could spend on gear that can not, not quite upgrade, because upgrade would imply that it boosts the stats rather than what it actually does, which is boost one stat in favor of reducing another stat. So you can personalize to a certain extent, and there's certainly some value in that. I, of course, am a Rosalina main uh, in every game that I get the chance to do so. Um, and with Rosalina, you can max out your shooting stat pretty easily. So I had max shooting, and for a good chunk of my time there, I could just shoot from half, cor- uh, half field uh, and uh, pretty much score regularly, consistently. Uh, against the easier levels of the computer and even against the harder levels of the computer, all you would need is a, a decent shot and you would have a pretty good chance of scoring. Um, but that like, that's it Th- Those tournaments, that's the solo player content. That's all you get. Those 10 characters. Those are the only 10 characters you have. And even if you are the kind of person that really wants to focus on the multiplayer, I have to imagine that it gets pretty tiring to uh see the same limited combination of 10 characters on a four-person team like there's only so many combinations you can do right there's only so many different play styles you can actually enable when there are five stats and basically two characters that can do each one pretty well it's just you know it's just undercooked more than anything and the, the trade-off for this, uh, for for these limited amounts of characters and limited amounts of single-player mode, is a more robust multiplayer setting than Nintendo tends to give. And if that's all you want, if you just want to go play soccer with your friends online or you want to beat up on some some 10-year-olds who are playing their Nintendo game because they like Mario and they think soccer's pretty cool, like you can do that. That's where the majority of the meat of this game's going to be. There still isn't a lot of progression to it. You get a different currency that can upgrade the stadiums. But to be quite honest, given that the stadiums are divided in half, like you kind of pick your half of the stadium and then someone else picks their half and they merge together. But you're always coming from this top-down view. So it, it never matters. It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't change the pitch in any meaningful way the way that it did in previous games. It's just empty. And it didn't need to be. I, 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 It almost feels like it was rushed a little bit, or at the very least, that there was a, a choice that was made that it would be a lot better for them to focus primarily on this multiplayer system and making sure that online worked. And it seems to work well compared to most Nintendo games. It does seem to be a step forward in that regard. But everything else is a step backwards from what the series once was and as much as i've enjoyed it because i do love intrinsically mario soccer and mario sports games in general it was really disappointing to see just how little there was for someone like me who cares more about the solo stuff and local play than anything else there it's pretty cool that you could do a 4v4 game if you want to have eight people come over to play Mario Strikers Battle League together. But outside of that, it really is just, do you want to play Mario Battle League a whole bunch on ladder? Maybe you do. Maybe there are enough people who do that that it's going to be seen as a success. But I I can't help but look at the Wii game and feel like it was better pretty much across the board.
1: So I never played the Wii one. I actually played the GameCube one. And I remember quite vividly in like sixth grade uh, in middle school, there was a science teacher that would let us, um, after school or sometimes in study hall in their room, bust out the GameCube and play some, uh, some Mario Strikers. And none of what you're telling me surprises me. It's unfortunate um, and just makes me feel like they probably built it that way so that they could, if it was a, like a, a you know, critical success, that they could then add some DLC characters or anything, a la what they do with the Mario Kart games. Um, but from everything I've seen from from other people commenting on it and then you commenting on it, it does not seem like this is the type of critical success that they are gonna spend any time on trying to improve. Uh whether it's a single player, you know, whether it's a campaign or anything like that, whether it's adding additional characters, it it just seems like it's sort of a vapid experience that they're like, yeah, you got a soccer game with Mario characters. It's $60 because of the licensing, not because it's a good game. Um, which is pretty sad and disappointing because the, the old school Mario sports games are pretty fun. Like, I remember playing golf on the Nintendo, on the um, Game Boy. Like, I remember that, and the, the mm-hmm. figure, the little character, looks like Mario. So it's just disappointing. This was a game that I actually was kind of, like, pretty excited for and was hoping that I could get as just, like, a fun, chill game to, you know, play with my girlfriend and, and have fun. But it seems like it's definitely not worth the money.
0: So, Chase. It's not worth $60. If it was on sale. If it was on sale, you could get it for, like, 20 30 bucks. <laughs> I think, it's, I think it's fun. I think it's a fun time. I'm enjoying my time with it. I wish I hadn't spent 60 bucks on it. I feel a little bit silly for pre-ordering it under the assumption that it would be at the same level of quality as the Mario Tennis and Mario Golf uh, versions that we have on the Switch. Though, if you're going to hold out hope, all of those games got a significant amount of free DLC. So maybe we get there. But as of right now, can't recommend that game at the price point and Nintendo putting their own games on sale. Isn't really a thing that happens. So yeah. Good luck. Uh, Smash
1: brothers ultimate is still $45. So good luck with the sale, <laughs> but chase <laughs> you did say you played a second game. So, so please tell me there's some more meat on the bone here. Please tell me you did not spend the last week only playing Mario strikers.
0: No, I, I spent uh, the last week playing something that'll probably come up on the next episode of the podcast. But a few weeks ago, while we were preparing for the super giant one, I played a game called Yes, Your Grace. Uh, and Yes, Your Grace is a kingdom management game uh, that uh, came out in 2020 that has uh, a pretty interesting kind of uh, focus to it. Um, if anyone's played the kind of kingdom management games before, um, you'll understand the the basic drill here, right? You've got a certain amount of resources that you need to balance. Um, you need to keep the people of your kingdom happy as much as you can, but you also need to make sure that you have the resources to take care of what's coming down the line. There's a always going to be a, a random element to it in which you can't prepare for everything that's going to happen. And some characters are going to lie to you when they make requests about what they need. So you have to try to weed those people out without rejecting people who genuinely need your help. And each time you'll have situations in which uh, you just simply do not have the resources to deal with this crisis because you already sent those resources away to deal with something that seemed like it was important at the time, but... In retrospect, you really wish that you'd saved that. So there's this constant give and take. But the thing that makes Yes, Your Grace a little bit different uh, than some of those kind of more straightforward kingdom management games is that it is very narratively driven. You are a a King Eric of Davern uh, with a family with three daughters and a loving wife uh, that you start the game with. And... The game starts with this idea that one of your daughters is uh, a coming of age and you need to go get her married. And while she makes a whole point about, you're not going to just marry me off to whoever, right? And you're like, no, I'll never do that. And then you get a letter that's more of a threat than anything, at least how your character perceives it at the time, saying, hey remember a long time ago when you promised me your firstborn daughter in marriage? Well, I'm coming for her. And since the people uh, that, that did this are kind of seen as, as barbarians, you in a uh, haste uh, decide to marry your daughter off to uh, a prince of a local kingdom that will uh, give you their army if you do so, so that you can fight off that invasion. Uh, and as you can imagine, that goes horribly wrong on a number of different levels. Um, and you spend the rest of the game really focused around these family dynamics. And, you know, in between all of these decisions you have to make about the kingdom, you have decisions you have to make about your family and how you give them what they need and whether you're willing to prioritize their happiness, sometimes over the happiness of your people. And learning to let go of of certain things and and learning to hold on to what you can uh it certainly is a game that grabbed me in terms of the family dynamics that were in play i wanted my two daughters that were still at the house to be happy i wanted to help my wife through her grief but also you know help her uh feel more confident about the direction that things were heading and and make her feel secure despite this army coming towards the gates and uh i won't necessarily get into all of the details on the plot because i do think that this is a plot heavy game in which the twists and turns are so much of the experience um there certainly is a a bit of a twist halfway through uh, that recontextualizes certain events and forces you to make a different set of moral choices as you have to raise an army for a different set of issues and deal with the consequences of the decisions that you previously made. And you are limited by the decisions that you made in the first attempt uh, in a way that is powerful and, and is certainly engaging. I think ultimately the problem with the game comes in when you have a game that is built around narrative choice, and there are certain things that you have no say in whatsoever. And I understand why that's the case, right? Ultimately, if you're going to have a game that's built around a strong narrative, there are certain beats that have to happen to get that narrative across. If the game is about how the king deals with this outcoming thread and and having to marry off his daughter and the consequences of that, you can't give the player the choice to say, no, I'm not going to marry off my daughter to this guy because then every other scene that is based around all of these family dynamics about, you know, your daughter going away and the situation that she's then stuck in due to court intrigue and, and things we're not really getting into right now. Like those beats can't happen. If, You don't go along with that part of the plot, so the game just doesn't give you a choice in those places. It gives you a good amount of choices, but a lot of the the biggest frustration I had was in the things that I had no choice in. I had no choice about when I could bring in certain people to help flesh out my support staff the the witch or the hunter that would allow me to have more versatility in what it is i wanted to do it didn't let me determine certain details about uh family issues and 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 things that uh i could see coming a mile away as a concern but had no choice but to go forward with it because i was told that this is the thing that my character always does there's certainly enough decisions in there that it supports multiple different endings and you can fail this game this is not necessarily the easiest game in the world though given that i do have a lot of experience with kingdom management games having played through way too many rounds of the reigns trilogy of games um i i i will admit that i i beat it the first time and I beat it with very minimal checking of a guide. It was really only for one thing, and it was mostly to save time rather than because I didn't know what to do. But I got the good ending. I got the best possible ending for my characters, and there were some moments in there that were genuinely sweet. The story with the middle daughter and who she ends up falling in love with and you having to let her go despite how you might feel about that potential partner and and how marrying her off would be really helpful towards your war efforts like there, there's something really satisfying that and and in having learned the lesson from the older daughter in letting the middle daughter go and and find love and live her life even if you never see her again you get to know that she's happy um there's something really fun about the youngest daughter and her ever-increasing horde of animal companions that keep dying under uh, very silly circumstances. Um, But the final animal that you get is one that ends up saving the day in a a lot of ways, if you're willing to trust in that. And there was something really satisfying about, about that choice. Because it wasn't one that I realized would have such big consequences until it happened. And once it did, it's like, Oh yeah, that, that does feel right because it was a decision that was made with the youngest daughter in mind. And all of the like happy ending decisions are, are you going out of your way and making the rest of the game a little bit tougher to give your family those goals that they have. So, Where the the good of this game comes in is those family relationships and how they have you explore them and the the payoffs for having done so. But the limits come in with how much you can't change, how much just has to happen to them no matter what you would want to do, no matter how much you can see these problems coming in advance. Uh, The things that you have no choice but to take on and ultimately the at the end of the day like once you get that happy ending i can't imagine going back and playing for any of the other endings like i because they did such a good job setting up these characters and giving you reasons to be empathetic towards them and to want to see them happy and want to see them succeed there's not a situation in which I would ever want to go back and do things differently. Um, That was where my natural instinct lied because the game got me to care. Why would I ever go back to that? I I, I don't... It's certainly uh, a nice reward for people who aren't able to get it all right the first time and maybe miss certain things. But once you get it, even though there are certain minor quests that come up all the time that maybe you wanted to see what the other answer would do, there isn't enough there and there isn't enough customization there to be as replayable as the game purports itself to be. So it's it's certainly a game that has a lot of factors I really like and a lot of things that I think keep it from being as good as it could have been.
1: It's kind of funny because as you as you said management's uh, you know kingdom management game I immediately was like oh it's just like rain and then you know seeing the screenshots and and hearing your discussion of it, it's like no 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 it's like way more in depth there's a lot more to the game um do you find that that sort of additional exposition in the story was covered up for rather simplistic gameplay, or do you feel like it really enhanced the gameplay because it made your choices feel much more important, whereas in Rain it's like, at some points you're just clicking right or clicking left.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Reigns is a game that is a kingdom management simulator with some fun character to it, right? You're making decisions based primarily off of how it's going to determine uh, all these different meters, because there isn't really any moral consequence to them, right? They are, the, the only consequences are if uh, any of the four resources get too high or too low. So as long as that's not a problem for you, Reigns doesn't really have a lot to say. Everything else is just color. It's a fun backdrop for a fun kind of management game, But it is a management game with some color at it. It's not a narrative-focused experience. Not really. This is a narrative game that determines that the best way to handle that narrative is to give you these kingdom simulator mechanics. The, The decisions that you would make would be a lot more obvious and a lot less meaningful if it wasn't done in the context of knowing that The more that you focus on those things that that matter to you and to your character, the harder it makes everything else that you do. The more resources that you spend hunting down herbs for a ritual that you perform towards the end of the game, the fewer people that you can recruit for an army that needs to be at a certain size for you to be able to win. Now, again, it's possible to do it all in, in one swoop. I did. So I, I don't want to imply that, like, you know, it, it's it, it's a matter of increased difficulty in forcing you to make that trade off, but it does make the decisions matter in a way that feels different than how they matter in rain. In rain, it's all about how that affects the numbers that you have in front of you. With yes, your grace, the most effective situations were the ones in which I felt a little heartbroken. Because, for example, I couldn't afford the nice wedding dress that my oldest daughter wanted. I I couldn't do it. I didn't have enough money. I didn't even have enough money for the medium dress. I had to pick the old tattered dress. And she got made fun of at the wedding for it. And she looked embarrassed. And the the queen looked embarrassed by it and was really upset that I wasn't willing to spend up for the nicer dress. Because she wanted the super nice dress. Because, of course, she did. But... I had a kingdom to take care of. I needed the money to help start raising an army. I didn't have the ability to do that. But the game made me care about the fact that I didn't have the ability to do that. So I I think it really comes down to what you want from a game like this. If you are looking for a mechanically intense game that is going to make you feel like every situation matters from a pure gameplay perspective and that it is as tight and as crisp as it needs to be, that you are teetering on a knife's edge. I think this game can sometimes do that, but I don't know that it's quite as sharp as some other games that make that the thing that you are doing. It's it's about the world that it creates and it's about... The stories that it wants to tell and how it makes you care. Um, and I did care. I cared a lot. And I'm really glad that I played it because I did find the story to be effective and and meaningful. Um, I looked into a couple things, I'll be quite honest with you. I may not have been able to pull this off on the first try had I not... Uh, had I gone the other way on some decisions that I did not realize at the time were particularly meaningful. And some people are going to find that cheap. I, I, I That doesn't bother me as much for a game like this because it's meant to be about hard choices that you can't really foresee. And it it does kind of uh, punish save scumming in that way, which I think is really important for a game like this because for too many people, they'll look at this as like, oh, well, I need to optimize every day. And I think you'd lose a lot of the pacing. I think you'd lose a lot of, The tone and the the narrative that it's going for if you were just focused on being the quote-unquote perfect king. But again, I I think the limitation there is that the mechanics on their own were not engaging enough for me to want to go back just to see how certain missions could go. The only thing I would ever have wanted to go back for was to help my family find happiness because that was the thing I was invested in. And I did that. I did that the first time around. Um, and I'm glad that I did. I, 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 like, it, was a, it was a great five-hour experience. But that's what it was worth to me. And I, I think it says something about the game that ultimately um, there wasn't quite enough meat on those bones for me to think to myself, man, I can't wait to manage this kingdom again. Because the only thing I really would have wanted to do differently, the things that would have made me more interested in it, are the decisions that I can't control, are the decisions that the game can't let you redo. Because then it wouldn't have the story that it wants to tell. That's the trade-off. And whether or not that's um, a a negative to you or or whether or not that's going to get in the way of of you enjoying it, I think is going to be a very personal question. I recommend this game. I, I recommend it a little bit less than some of the other games I've talked about just because I do think that it is an imperfect game. But if you're not going to get it, and it's not that expensive. I think I got it for like 20 bucks. It's on sale pretty regularly, whether you get it on Switch or get it on uh, Steam or, or whatever you track it down. Um, I, it's worth playing. It's just not quite what it could be. And there's always going to be that niggling there. Um, But I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed it. And I will be interested to try out some of the other games that the uh, No More Robots publishing line uh, is working on. Because they do do a pretty good job of picking these kind of indie studios from around the world willing to uh, do something just a little bit different um, and I think that that's cool i I, I think that there's um, certainly a lot to be gained from that even if I think that this particular version was uh imperfect
1: I think that's incredibly fair and I think you can absolutely recommend games that are not uh, perfect just to you or just perfect in general because Faults make things more interesting. It's one thing to be said of like, oh, I everything everywhere all at once. Despite how absolutely amazing and incredible that movie is, and if you haven't watched it yet, I I don't know what's wrong with you, but there are
0: Yeah, what are you doing? There are
1: little things that you can sort of nitpick and go, well, it could be a little bit better here, it could be a little bit better there. Even your favorite video game or movie or anything, you're going to find some kind of fault with it. And it helps remind you things are, like, real, that it's not perfect, and gives you things to talk about to say, like, well, if it bothers you that you make choices 95% of the time instead of 100, then this game is going to bother you. It is something willing to discuss with someone when you're, you know, uh, recommending a game or recommending a movie or a TV show or anything like that. So it's good to hear that you recommend it. It definitely does look really, really interesting. And I've added it onto my wish list just to keep track of it in the future in case there's something that I'm, you know, in case there's a day where I'm like, I don't know what I want to play. And as I have, you know almost a thousand games in my steam library staring at me like, really, you don't know what you want to play and you you're going to go buy another new game, but that's neither here nor there. I'm I'm glad you had a good experience with it. And now I can't wait to see what you're going to talk about next week. Since you've already mentioned you played something else over the last couple of weeks.
0: So I, I will say, um, because this is only going to really serve to throw people off that Yoko Taro is involved in the game that I will be talking about the next time that we do this. So y'all have that to look forward to. And hopefully you are uh, looking forward to the next episode because this one, it's over fam. We did it. Uh, You can stay subscribed here or to the Rough Drafts overall feed in order to get uh, every Steam Cleaners episode every two weeks. And if you are in the Rough Drafts feed, you also get Final Cut, which is the movie podcast that we do on all the weeks that we're not doing this gaming show. So uh, if you want to hear us talk about some movies, the last one we just finished an an episode on uh, Green Knight, which made me rage harder than almost any video game I've ever played. So Uh, If that sounds fun to you, uh, definitely make sure to subscribe there, to follow the podcast at RefDraftsPod, and you can follow me on Twitter at Chase Wassenaar. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? You guys
1: can find me at C80s underscore LOL. And uh, yeah, I think I know what I'm going to play next, and I haven't—it's a game I have played before a long time ago, and I'm sure it'll be a uh, a pretty tall tale to discuss my experiences with it in two weeks when we talk about it.
0: Wonderful. Well, I am looking forward to that. And we will be back in two weeks to to hammer that out. But until then, goodbye, Internet.